Good morning, Soraya. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing today? Doing all right. How about you? I'm doing good. I see you're wearing a very interesting shirt. It says the Beatles. Could it have anything to do, even in the slightest way, with our show today? Possibly. 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 Okay. So we're going to be talking a little bit about equipment musical equipment today but i don't think we're going to get too nerdy so hopefully that doesn't scare off anybody <laughs> that non-musicians we, we won't get that in depth in it but today's episode comes by courtesy of suggestion of our good pal scott graham yes and uh he threw out this idea that jeff and i really latched onto really quickly and he said you should think about doing an episode about the impact or the influence of the Rickenbacker yes. guitar on Paisley Underground. And we said, oh, yeah. And we immediately rattled off a few songs. So it was really cool. So we want to thank Scott for the suggestion. Let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> so let's get started. Hi, this is Soraya. And this is Jeff. Our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agarubiar. Let's get groovy. I like that you laugh when I say, let's see how it goes. But it's just, to me, it's a cool topic. Yeah, it is a cool topic. topic. I hope other people find it just as cool. So yeah, and yeah, no, we never know what's going to happen, right? I mean, we do our <laughs> we do our research, and and uh, we say in our in our um, uh, intro that we play songs that we like and have some anecdotes or stories, and that's exactly what we're going to do today. So absolutely, with the um, the center um, topic around Rickenbacker guitars. So. Yes. Okay, so I think we do need to give a disclaimer. So, um, Jeff and I, we say Paisley Underground, but we're expanding the definition a wee bit because Steve Steve Wynn has said, I don't use a Rickenbacker guitar. Yeah. So we're including into um, a band that we love and is what have you said you've said it's paisley adjacent or like it's yeah. in the same universe and orbit yeah. and that's long riders so and uh, we must say there's two of us on this podcast only one of us has been knighted <laughs> by a rickenbacker and it's jeff yes <laughs> who was knighted by the the one and only sid griffin the yeah. last time the band uh, played in Los Angeles. So still a special night, but yeah, you are Sir Jeff Brenneman of the Rickenbacker. Yes, that was a very special moment for me, I have to say. Yeah, and all the silliness, it was, yeah, very meaningful to me and fun. Yeah, and coming from Sid Griffin, so yep, very cool. And as you mentioned, um, in our, doing our research um, and listening to songs and uh, reading about a little bit more about Rickenbacker guitars and who played them and why they played them and all that stuff. 
neither one of us could hear any Rickenbackers and any Steve Wynn or Dream Syndicate songs. Um, Rickenbackers are known for having a jangly or chimey sound. That, that's the way that people often describe the Rickenbacker sound. And um, neither one of us heard those in a Dream Syndicate song. So we reached out to see, to Steve just to make sure. And sure enough, he said, I, I never even held a Rickenbacker guitar until I was at Peter Buck's house of REM. And he let me hold his Rickenbacker guitar. And that was more recently. So no Rickenbacker guitars for Dream Syndicate or for Steve. So, uh, but the other three bands, we may have some songs with Rickenbackers or Rickenbacker type sound in them. So right. um, for those uh, who aren't familiar with that sound, we're gonna play a few songs today and you'll get an idea of what Rickenbacker sounds like mm -hmm. or known to sound like. But I wanted to step back a little bit, not get too much into the history of Rickenbacker, but just a little bit. Um, and doing my re research, I found out that uh, the company was started in 1931 as a company that was making Hawaiian guitars. So um, it was started by Adolf Rickenbacker and George Beauchamp, I think is how you pronounce his name. Um, and they had, it was called the Ropat N Corporation, Electric Ropatent Instruments. Um, and they, they set out to um, make electric Hawaiian guitars. And then something that I learned, sorry, that I didn't know, um, even though I've loved Rickenbackers for years, is that they were, they're credited as the first company or the company to make the first electric guitar. I didn't know that. I would have thought like Gibson or Fender, yeah. but um, a steel guitar in 1932 allegedly is the first electric guitar. And that was Rickenbacker. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But I think the Rickenbacker got its biggest notoriety when the Beatles came in and um, I was reading a little bit about it and um, I it looks like in 1960 John Lennon bought a Rickenbacker 325 model um, and that I think that kind of started the more of the modern day um, appreciation for the instrument and then George Harrison um, ended up uh, getting a 12 string Rickenbacker from the Rickenbacker Corporation. And in America, we know that Roger McGuinn from The Birds um, heard George Harrison's guitar and then he wanted to get a 12 string and he got a 12 string and started using it. The Birds are very famous for having that yeah. Rickenbacker jangly sound. If you listen to Turn, Turn, Turn. Even the, in the later years with Eight Miles High, yeah, you hear this 12-string Rickenbacker. And um, then going back to the Beatles, George Harrison heard what, what Roger McGuinn was doing with the birds. And then he in, was influenced and um, on his song, If I Needed Someone... he kind of used Roger McGuinn's style of playing mm -hmm. Rickenbacker. So it's a little circle of Rickenbacker yeah. guitars going everywhere. <laughs> what I found interesting 
um, you know, just kind of doing a little research was that Paul McCartney used a Rick bass. Yes. And played one with wings, you know, through it. So it was something that he carried over. So I, you know, because I always associate him with that Hofner bass. And yeah. But uh, it was just neat to see how, you know, the Beatles in their own, you know, in their own kind of experimented with, with um, not just the guitars, but also with the Rick bass. Yeah, good point. Good point. Because Rickenbacker is not only known for their guitars, but also for their bass. Mm. Basses, as you mentioned. Sounds good to me. Well, I say we play a song that has a Rickenbacker sound. Let's. Um, are you okay if we start with the three o'clock? Uh, always. <laughs> so, um, and speaking of the birds, um, the three o'clock did a cover version of one of the bird songs, and that's what we're going to play uh, with Feel a Whole Lot Better. Um, I think we learned from Danny Venere that the song was recorded for free, actually, when the three o'clock were invited to record a song for Radio Tokyo Tapes. Right. And they recorded three songs extra. They did, I think they did In Love and Two, Lucifer Sam, and this song, Feel a Whole Lot Better, which was released as a fan club single and then later appeared on the, the French Lolita pressing of yep. Baroque Hoedown. And then more recently in the Hidden World Revealed CD compilation of Rare Tracks. So. Right. And then... um. When I was looking online, I saw that Louis Gutierrez, the guitarist for the three o'clock, played a Rickenbacker 330 of Fire Glow. And you could see him playing that on that YouTube clip from MV3. Did you ever watch that show? Yeah. I, I, oh, so there's, if you search on YouTube, the three o'clock on MV3 1983, you'll see Louis Gutierrez playing a Rickenbacker 330 guitar on Cantaloupe Girlfriend, I believe. Yeah. But that's not what we're playing today. We're playing Feel a Whole Lot Better. So if you listen to the song, you'll hear, you'll get the first glimpse today on our podcast of this jangly, jimey instrument. So here we go. I'm scared. I'm really scared. We could be in a rope. You could be in a
serious? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that's too serious. No. no, no. <laughs> but once again, you get that very chimey, jangly guitar. You hear it straight from the get-go. Um, and we've seen the three o'clock play live quite a few times. And uh, Lewis really likes, a, he does use a Rickenbacker quite often. So. Yes, yes. And I think when we were at his house, Soraya, <laughs> right? after, after we spent a little time interviewing him in his kitchen and, mm-hmm. and we had some little time afterwards and talking in the backyard and, and Lewis showing us some stuff around his house. I think he might have mentioned that at this point he no longer owns a Rickenbacker right. himself. But when we've seen him starting with the uh, reunions, reunion shows around 20, starting back around 2013, um, I think he let us know that he, he's been borrowing the Rickenbacker yes. that he, he's been playing at the yeah. reunion shows because he likes it so much and yeah, it had that sound yeah that we came to know and love on the records. So yeah, and. Um... He did, he did say, um, and he's, he's said it a few times that um, for some of the reunion shows, he borrowed them from uh, someone called, uh, someone who plays with the Brian Jonestown massacre, uh, Robert Campanella. That's right. I totally forgot. I was trying to grease the wheels. You're right. (laughs) Thank you for that. I totally, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. So, but it's just it's good to hear that sound and you know when you think the birds and um it's just interesting this particular sound this jangle pop sound and how you can trace it into uh different songs by different bands from this particular scene so i i love hearing it and in that cover that birds cover i mean how does that make you not happy yeah the fantastic song yeah yeah it definitely makes me very happy all right jeff so i have to ask you're the musician have you ever had a rick i have yes i've owned three in my life um for me the jumping off point was rem REM, uh, Peter Buck, as we mentioned before, he played a Rickenbacker guitar and Mike Mills, their bass player, also played a Rickenbacker bass. So when Murmur and Chronic Town first came out, the first two releases by REM, I was so hooked, obsessed with REM. And um, I got my first Rickenbacker guitar uh, shortly after those albums came out because I was so obsessed with their sound and I wanted to try to replicate that my, myself, which I could never do, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> playing wise, but I could get close to the sound having similar equipment. So I bought a Rickenbacker 360 six string guitar, a blonde model close to what John Lennon had. It was gorgeous. The, one of my, wasn't my first guitar, 
my first guitar I bought at Montgomery Wards, which is a department store here. And uh, I ended up um, taking that guitar apart. It was just a cheap guitar and painting it purple with yellow polka dots inspired by Dweezil Zappa, Frank Zappa's son. But then my second guitar was that Rickenbacker 360 six string. Um, only have two regrets in my life. One of them was selling that guitar. Actually, I took it to a pawn shop to pay rent, hoping that I would get it back, but I never did. So I've been trying to look around to see if I could get that particular guitar back. And I thought a couple months ago that I found it. Um, somebody was selling a guitar, a Rickenbacker 360 guitar, blonde, uh, not too far from my house in Palm Springs. And I asked for pictures because I dinged it up a bit and I, I was familiar with where my my little dents were in the guitar and it wasn't mine oh. but I'm trying to get that particular guitar back if I can but um yeah hopefully someday uh, I just recently heard a story from a friend uh not too far from me um grew up in North San Diego County he was in a band called this kid Stevie Salas who played guitar with Rod Stewart um he recently was sent some pictures of a guitar that somebody owns in, I think, Sweden. Um, and a mutual friend of his and the person that owned the guitar um, sent the picture to Stevie because the person had posted that they had purchased this guitar. And the reason why they knew it was his is because it had the band name um, stenciled on the case. And then sure enough, when they opened it, he recognized it. So he may be getting his guitar back wow. from about the same period of time that I had it. And it's apparently it's traveled all over the place because they knew who bought it from whom. And it went from here to the East Coast and then overseas. So I'm not I'm holding out hope that I can get that guitar back. I'm, I'm so. holding out hope for you. And then I also bought around the same time a 12 string uh, Fire Glow, which is a red and yellow-ish looks looks like fire um a 620 12 string three-quarter size Rickenbacker guitar that I played with in my band White Glove Test but I ended up selling that one shortly after I bought it because my hands were too big for it it was a smaller mm -hmm. size guitar and with 12 strings on a little fretboard it, and I'm not that good of a player but but I do own a guitar now a Rickenbacker guitar and this one that I own right now is a 1986 model. And I guess it's semi-rare. It's midnight blue. But the thing that makes it a little bit rare is that it's all black hardware. You usually see like chrome hardware. Right. So all the hardware is black and with the midnight blue color. That's beautiful. Um, yeah. It's supposed to be a 12-string Soraya, but I snapped my G-string. I can say many things right here, but I'm going to leave oh. it at that. Let's play another song. <laughs> yeah. What do you want to play next? Um, why don't we play Bangles? Okay. And then we'll talk about a special uh, arrangement between Rickenbacker and the Bangles yeah. after we listen to it. We're going to play The Real World. Um, I'm pretty sure it's a Rickenbacker, but it definitely has a Rickenbacker sound. And that's one of the things that Scott Graham brought up when he suggested that other guitars can, can simulate that jingle, that jangle Chinese mm -hmm. sound. Um, some Fender players do it, but I'm pretty sure this is a Rickenbacker when we listen to the real world. You can hear Susanna, Susanna Haas guitar playing in the background. But anyways, 
Let's listen to The Real World by Bengals. this era of the release of real world and uh Susanna Hoffs is playing a Rick. So I'm I'm bought in that this is definitely a Rick. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. One of the things that was interesting because everyone knows by now I'm not a musician, nor do I claim to be one. I don't play one on TV either. But <laughs> um <laughs> I find it interesting the story uh Rickenbacker okay so it's a Southern California uh, uh, produced in Southern California um in Santa Ana California so I love the fact that it's got a local history connected to a scene that really took took um took hold here in Los Angeles yeah but I found it interesting reading about it that Rick's uh, Rickenbackers were you know in the 60s mid to late 60s became really popular and people hearing different Beatles using them influenced them you know some names mentioned are like John Fogarty and Paul Kantner and even Pete Townsend John Entwistle but 
and then there was kind of a lull so it kind of fell out of favor again different sounds different times different influences but then with new wave and this rediscovering of the 60s you start to hear it and then it became really popular with bands trying to um dig further into that sound so i just think it's really interesting and and now you know i never would have been able to distinguish it but when you talk about a chimey sound and now that i'm thinking about the early history of rickenbacker with an hawaiian guitar or an electric steel you know that style i can absolutely hear it now now informed right so it's just cool now i gotta ask you since you had a six and a 12 uh 12 string six string the difference in sound between the two is the 12 string more chimey than the six uh, yeah i feel like it is um because with each so it's not like you have to hold twice as many notes down because with a 12 string two strings are connected right, right. push two at a time so it's got a fuller sound but it's it. chimier um at least with the strings that i play that are thinner strings so even when you're hitting the thicker strings or the low strings uh -huh. you also have um a thinner string that goes down with it so it um it has a very unique sound so yeah i would say it's more chimier and you can hear especially with a lot of the bird stuff when you hear Roger yeah. McGuinn playing um, turn 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 that's a good example but I'm glad that you asked that because I found a quote um, that talks exactly about what you're talking about and the quote is from this book go further that you and I both got when a couple episodes ago we talked to Tom Grasick right. um, who was a contributor of this I think there's about 25 to 30 short essays about 10 pages each um in this book about power pop and the very very last sentence of this entire book which i just finished this week um and this particular chapter was by rex broom who is a local musician here in la and founder of big stir records yes. um who loves rickenbacker he has a chapter called ode on a rickenbacker And the very, very last line of this book, um, which I'll read right now, um, has a very interesting uh, commentary about 12-string guitars. And he says, just like the microtonal variances between the paired strings, which is what I was talking about, that mean the damn thing's never going to really be in tune. So that's one frustrating thing about Rickenbackers, especially the 12-strings. That tension is where the beauty lies. So there's what he's saying is when you have these two strings that are paired together, um, there's microtonal differences because you're not gonna have them both exactly in tune. There's a little phasing sound that right. goes with it. And yeah, I think that that definitely adds to a unique chimey sound. So yeah, absolutely. And that's the very last line of that book. All right, so you did mention, well, we just played Real World by Bangles. So you did mention, uh, uh, connection between Rickenbacker and Susanna Hoffs. 
Yes. Elaborate. Yes. <laughs> so uh, there was an announcement by Rickenbacker Corporation on October 1st, 1988, and they came out with a limited edition model Rickenbacker guitar, which was 350 SH. Do you have any idea what the SH stands for? <laughs> uh, Susanna Hawk. Exactly, exactly. So they, uh, they, Rickenbacker came out with the Susanna Hoffs limited edition Rickenbacker guitar. And when it was released, they made what did, uh, 250 guitars, I think they made. So she has her own model Rickenbacker. So Paisley Underground and Rickenbacker have a definite connection there. Totally. And I, I, I yeah, and I, I don't, I think at the time it was about $1,300 retail. Um, I think it's, a friend of mine was looking for one recently, a Susanna Hoff's limited edition Rickenbacker, and she said it was really hard to try to find one. And when she did, it was pretty pricey. I haven't looked at myself, but I imagine with anything that's limited edition, yeah. um, that would be the case. But yep, in 1988, they Rickenbacker, cool. she had her own model, which is pretty cool. You got to be pretty badass when uh, your preferred guitar says, we're going to make a limited edition model. Yep. Yeah, and it's signed. You, you, her signature is printed on the fretboard of the Rickenbacker guitar. So Beautiful. pretty darn cool, I'd say. Yes. All right, Jeff, should we play one more? Yeah, let's play one more. And this Ooh. is, uh, let's do Rain Parade. So you can definitely hear the Rickenbacker 12 string on this song. Do you want to let our listeners know what we're going to hear? Uh, we're going to listen to what she's done to your mind. Tell me it's you're not sad. 
there's a better example of Rickenbacker guitar sound from Paisley Underground than what she's done to your mind. Oh, I mean, it, the, it's just a beautiful, beautiful song. Great use of that Rickenbacker and you hear it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's pretty unique in the canon of Rain Parade songs because you don't usually hear a lot of jangliness right in rain parade song so they definitely used it very effectively and my understanding is that might have belonged to david roback yeah um who was pretty good friends with Susanna hoff so (laughs) there's that connection there you know friends tell friends yes and then they tell two friends and that's how it goes on that's how it goes yes so we we mentioned previously dream syndicate no song so we're expanding yes and we're including long riders um i think there's quite a few songs that you can hear that rickenbacker song rickenbacker song at sound um on their songs and um i think we've picked a really good example of of the of the use of the rickenbacker all right, Jeff. So which one are we? Who are we including to round this out? <laughs> the Long Riders. And uh, we decided to go with I Want You Bad. But you, like you said, there's a lot of examples. Yeah. Sid Griffin was a, is a big fan of Rickenbacker guitars. In fact, on the flip side of the cover for Native right. Sons, you can see a few different instruments on there. Quite a few different instruments, including a, a Rick. A Rickenbacker. I don't know if this is the guitar that I was knighted with, but it was very similar to this one, if not this one. So this is a 360 12 string guitar that's on the back of Native Sun. So that may be the guitar that we're hearing on I Want You Bad. So very possibly, yeah. So and um, many, many of our listeners have seen long riders before. I mean, Sid likes to use that 12 string a lot. Yeah. So there are Tons of songs we could have picked. I think we picked a really good example of it. So, which one? I want you bad. Lately, it's been driving me mad because you're the best thing that I've ever had. And I want you, oh, I want you bad. Come on, let's give you the world so we can shake up this whole wide world. And I want you, oh, I want you bad. I won't run out of things to do. But I've got no other plans but you. Never. Be sad. I want to make you feel so glad And I want you, oh, want you bad
McCarthy singing I Want You Bad Songwriters. That's a great track. And I think another really good example of what that Rickenbacker sound sounds like. Um, so for the non-musicians or the non-technical listeners that we have, I think the songs that we've picked today definitely give a good a good uh, uh, idea of what that sound is like when you hear put put to songs. And obviously members of the Paisley Underground were fans of the instrument. Scott Graham had a good suggestion here, sorry, I think. I love it and uh, keep them coming. I don't know, maybe we'll have to revisit this topic and look at other bands from the Paisley universe. Oh yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of examples and a lot of people played the instrument. You mentioned some. Um, I have a list here of some of the people that played played Rickenbacker and, and the list is extensive, right? Um, I think one of the more notable ones is Tom Petty. In fact, Tom Petty on his Damn the Torpedoes album is holding um, a, a Rickenbacker guitar. I think it was a model 635 or something that he had modified from a six string to a 12 string. I read, I'm not sure how, if that's true or not. Of course, he was a big Birds fan, but so many different people. Um, the Jam um, were a band that, uh, when I was listening to REM too, where both the guitar player and the bass player, like REM, um, with Paul Weller and Bruce Foxton, they played the guitar and bass. So many examples of bands uh, and i've loved your point soraya about um that little lull from the 60s to the 80s and um i'm glad that you brought that up because i would have never and never thought of that and that's a great point um with bands wanting to replicate the sounds of the 60s and the resurgence of this particular instrument so thank you for that don't thank me. Thank the guy that wrote the article that I read that, <laughs> that pointed it out because I found it to be really interesting because it said the Rickenbacker fell out of favor and then with New Wave and the refocus on the 60s came back. So Perfect. you're welcome. <laughs> thank you for discovering that. <laughs> but um, I think these are the nuances of, of the Pace of the Underground and, you know, the songs that we picked are early, early in the Paisley Underground moment, right? So mm-hmm. this is kind of 83, except, except for I Want You Bad. I, that's a little, bit a little later. later, but um, it's just a cool sound. And to hear it come back and come back and, you know, we hear that, jang, that jangly sound. Revit, it comes back, it revisits. And I mean all bands grow but it, it's an interesting sound so thanks again to scott graham yes thanks, and scott. if you have a if you have an idea or something that maybe we've overlooked hey let us know 
we just may dedicate a whole song to it a whole show <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely yeah no but it was a great idea and yeah absolutely so good yeah and we could have definitely did more research and did found out some more technical things we wanted to definitely keep it simple for those who <laughs> who aren't <laughs> who aren't uh extremely concerned about all the technicalities but we definitely did want to uh, provide some examples of of the sound sounds good well mi gente i think all that's left to do is groove on paisley people Thank you.